Little Ones, the Sleep Manual Podcast. Welcome to the Little Ones Podcast and thank you so much for joining us today. I'm here with my Little Ones co-founder, Amanda. Hi. And we are friends, mothers and creators of the Little Ones Sleep Programs, which have helped over 300,000 families around the world with their baby and toddler's sleep. On our podcast today, we are jumping into the huge topic of self-settling. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yes, we are. And we are going to explore so many things to do with self-settling. So first of all, understanding self-settling. Mm-hmm. The signs of readiness, of learning when your baby might need to self-settle. Setting up for success with self-settling. How to approach self-settling and everything in between it is such a huge topic so let's get into it Mm -hmm. Uh, but it is a very important topic because as you will um, see as we explain this is one of the absolute big ticket things that is going to help your little one sleep better Um, yeah I think people underestimate what else happens yeah this is the key yeah it's the skill that we all need to learn no matter what age but not all. Yeah, that's exactly right. So let's start by um, looking at what self-settling is um, because there are, there are a few misconceptions out there which we'll also touch on. So, I mean, at the end of the day, self-settling is basically when you boil it all down, anybody's ability, your baby's ability, your toddler's ability to fall asleep independently without needing active settling from you or from someone else yeah so just like we ourselves would fall asleep they're able to go to bed when they're good and ready they close their eyes and they fall asleep without intervention essentially Um, without you needing to rock them or pat them or feed them or take them for a ride in the car or push them around in the stroller just to get them to sleep so they can settle themselves to sleep Yeah, and it's just so important and the reason why it is so important comes into play around that um, sort of two to three to four month um, mark, which is often called the four month sleep regression, um, where babies do need to learn this skill and it's just, it will create your naps to be longer, it will mean that your baby is able to sleep better overnight it consolidates your night sleep earlier um, and meaning that your baby's night sleep will be uninterrupted overnight and and your night night is uninterrupted yeah that's right your night sleep's not interrupted so it's just so beneficial for both babies and parents once they've learned the skill so there are like i said a few misconceptions and myths around self-settling and we hear all of them we hear all sorts in our line of work and actually self-settling has been thrown around the phrase has been thrown around hand in hand with the phrase self-soothing mm. and I think ultimately perhaps people do consider this to be the same thing and that if your baby is soothing themselves to sleep I guess that's one way of looking at it. But, but there's a kind um, of self-soothing. A, there's like a misconception if they're soothing themselves, then they're crying. They're upset. Yeah, that's that's right. So, I mean, and, and I think people often say self-soothing is has to mean that your baby is upset and crying at any point of the day, not just in relation to sleep. 
And then they associate that with um, a very young baby learning that no one's coming to help them if they're crying and a sense of abandonment and that the baby has to learn to soothe itself in any situation that it's upset, which is completely not what we're talking about no. today. And, and actually, it's completely not what we would advocate in any scenario is um, your baby having to soothe themselves just during the day if they're upset. Yeah. We are talking about... The skill of being the able to sleep. The little one being able to settle themselves to sleep. Um, so it doesn't necessarily mean that your baby is distressed. It doesn't necessarily mean that your baby has to go through um, extended periods of crying either um, on this process of self-settling, which is another myth out there that that it, there's, um, it has to involve sleep training and cry it out sleep training and extinction sleep training and, and all of these things that we've heard about um it doesn't have to involve no these things that's that's definitely a myth so there are some pretty key signs of your baby showing readiness for uh, learning the skill of being able to self-settle um around that three four month mark around that four month sleep regression mark they will start showing that uh, if they can't self-settle they are catnapping during the day. They're waking after 30 or 40 minutes at, uh, um, through their nap and not being able to resettle themselves back to sleep and not being able to sleep for longer periods um, at, during the day. Then at night time, they'll often wake after one sl- sleep cycle at sort of bedtime. So that first sleep cycle, might uh, they might wake after 35 to 45 minutes and then from there on, if they're waking every two hours, uh, they're, they're showing the signs of needing to learn that skill of self-settling. They also will become a bit more grisly even when they are um, going to bed. They're protesting a little bit more. Um, and again, that's just another sign. So the reason that they catnap during the day is because our sleep cycles during the day are 30 to 45 minutes during the day and they're waking up after a full sleep cycle and then at night time that first few sleep cycles are a day sleep cycle and then once melatonin kicks in uh, they change to a two-hour sleep cycle so again that, that's why they're just so let's talk about up. the reason the reason why your baby's suddenly doing this so yeah I, um we will have and do another podcast specifically on the four-month sleep regression but in a nutshell what happens at this point is prior to this, your little one has been drifting quite easily through sleep cycles because they're not as differentiated in those newborn months. Then once your, your little one reaches close to four months old, there is definitely a, a change and a maturation in their sleep and, and they development. start rousing de- completely. They've just developed into a more of a, an adult type sleep cycle at that point. And they start rousing completely between sleep cycles rather than staying in a light sleep and drifting into another sleep cycle. Yeah. So your little one is waking up entirely. And this is actually how we sleep as adults. It's how our older children sleep. It's just we're very good at sleep, most of us, at this age. And so we just roll over and go back to sleep and don't actually realize that we've woken at the end of each of these sleep cycles. Yeah. If your little one is relying on you actively settling them to sleep so feeding them or rocking them or at the beginning um, of lying the down with them or the sleep yeah. yeah to get them to go to sleep that's the only way they know how to go to sleep 
So then when they're coming out of this sleep cycle during the day or overnight, they're fully awake now, they're aware, they're going, hang on a minute, I need to go back to sleep, but I don't know how to go back to sleep unless mum is rocking me or dad is patting my back or I'm being fed to sleep or I've got my pacifier um, and, that, that and so they're going to cry out and call out to you. They're also aware that that thing is missing. They were, um, they were being cuddled or fed or or rocked, and it's missing. It would be just like if you woke up in the middle of the night and your blankets were missing. Um, they're not there anymore. So something is different. It's made them fully wake up rather than just drift into another sleep cycle because it's it's different now. Yeah, and they don't know how to go back to sleep without that thing there because that's essentially the only way that they had learnt how to sleep. So we we have taught them this. You know, we have have said to them, this is how you go to sleep. It's by me feeding you and me rocking you, and that's totally fine. And definitely in in a very young newborn baby, I mean – it, that's perfect because the way that you've got to get them to sleep at that point and the way in a newborn the way they go to sleep doesn't affect how long they sleep like Nikki said whereas once they no. do have that development change around four months they the way they go to sleep directly affects how long they sleep for mm-hmm. um, so that is where we need to teach them how to self-settle so if you if your newborn or your young baby was napping a lot better perhaps sleeping in some longer chunks overnight, and then suddenly they start catnapping during the day and waking a lot more frequently overnight, and they're, and they're sort of over three months old, then it's definitely time to start looking at moving towards self-settling. So we would always say that you should never approach self-settling in isolation. You no. should never... Um, just suddenly one day say, all right, I'm going to sleep train my baby. I'm going to teach them to self-settle. We need to set up the, the success. We need to make sure that everything is lined up perfectly so that any kind of self-settling work you do is going to be more successful. So let's talk about how we would do that, Amanda. Yeah, so I think always with anything that we do with our sleep program or any advice that we would give to anybody is that you have to know what's happening during the day. We have to check that they've got the ideal sleep during the day. They're not sleeping too much. They're not sleeping not enough because we need to hit those right awake windows if we're going to teach them how to go to sleep because we want them to be perfectly Mm -hmm. ready to be able to sleep. And then the only thing that you're removing is yourself. Um, from the equation so establishing the perfect daytime routine we're lining up those awake Mm -hmm. windows we're making sure the naps are on point that the nap lengths are great um and then from there we can because actually so actually what we what we very often see and what you want to avoid is if your little one is having say um too too much too many naps during the day And not enough awake time. And they're coming into bedtime in the evening and you're trying to do some work on self-settling. Your baby's just not tired enough in any case to go to sleep. So they're going to start fighting that as a result. The opposite is true if they haven't had enough sleep during the day, which is probably the case if they're in the habit of catnapping, then they're very overtired. So immediately they're – then physiologically they are not – they're going to be fighting any 
anything you do to self-settle. It's not, um, it's just not going to be as successful. There's going to be a lot more tears. For sure. It's like trying to get yourself to go to sleep when you've been out partying or, you know, you've been out late, you're a bit overtired, you're overstimulated or whatever. And then you're still again, then going to try and teach them this new skill. That's, it's just not going to happen. So lining up that routine, um, making sure that the awake windows are perfect so that then you can teach them how to self-settle. The next thing would be the Mm -hmm. sleep environment. The sleep environment is crucial to getting your baby to sleep easily. So important. Um, I know myself, I'm not going to go to sleep easily if I'm in a bright room, if there's lights on, if there's, um, you know, lots of noise. If you can hear something in the other room. Yeah, so making sure you've got a dark room, having white noise. Now, not just normal white noise. If I was teaching self-settling, I would put on our baby sleep track Mm -hmm. um, because that Mm -hmm. it is a special type of white noise it it initiates the calming reflex which is unlike any other white noise that you can do it you just naturally even we hold babies if they're crying you'll naturally start shushing them so if they're able to hear that noise they're able to calm themselves they are able to um Listen to it. Now, babies under six months are only able to do one thing at a time. So if they're listening, they can't cry. So if you've got that white noise on, they're listening to it, they they physically aren't able to actually cry at that same time. So they're able to calm themselves and go to sleep. <laughs> we trick them. We, we trick them into silence. Trick them into sleeping well. Um, the next thing would be other positive sleep and um, other positive sleep associations like uh, making sure that babies, young babies are swaddled or if they're in a sleeping bag, mm-hmm. we've got the white noise. Um, in older babies, we can have a cuddly or a, a um, some sort of toy, a lovey. a lovey that they're able to hold on to and some will use that. They'll rub it on their eyebrows or they'll rub, our, both mm-hmm. of our kids rubbed it on their top lip. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, mine used to have hers like rub it all over her face yeah. when she was falling asleep. Yeah, and they do this too when they've got their swaddles as well. If they have the arms up swaddle, which I use, they will rub with the swaddle on their face um, to help them go to sleep. And that's just, they're teaching themselves to do that. And then babies over seven months old, if you are teaching the art of self-settling, they can have a pacifier at this point, um, I guess, because... Uh, you probably don't want to remove too many things and a pacifier is able to be put taught to be able to put back in themselves at that point. Um, and if, you are, if you're moving away from an association of feeding your little one to sleep yes. at this age from seven months-ish onwards, using a pacifier is a really easy way to do that because they're still used to that sucking, which is actually the association that they're used it to. It is such a strong so, association um, that, yeah, yeah. as Nikki said, swapping it for sucking on you to so then um, is going to be easier yeah that's right but as long as you teach them how to replace it themselves because otherwise that's a whole new kettle of fish (laughs) if they can't do that but that's easy enough to do during the day um and then the the last thing that we would suggest to help set up the success of whatever self-settling you're going to start working on is is just consistency especially around things like a bedtime routine just adding in a nice consistent predictable bedtime routine is is one of the easy steps similar to um 
the sleep environment you know it's something really easy that you can implement and replicate every single night you know bed uh, sorry bed bed would be the last part bath brushing their teeth if they have teeth um a story a song a milk feed into their swaddle or their sleeping bag into their bed turn on the white sleepy noise. phrase and that's it yeah the same steps repeated in the same order are going to be really strong cues to your little one that sleep is coming next so that's all of these things the getting the daytime routine right getting the sleep environment right having a bedtime routine all of uh, implementing other positive sleep associations for your little one all of these things are going to seriously positively impact your chances of getting your little one to self-settle and without these elements it's going to be a lot harder yeah and there will be tears from them and probably also from you and I think this is probably where people end up going wrong and go oh my, I couldn't sleep train my baby or oh sleep training so bad because you know their baby's crying or all the time but mm. I think if they've missed out any one of these steps first before trying to teach mm. self-settling as Nikki said they're just going to cry um, and nobody is going to know I why I remember some terrible advice I got with my eldest and we all know how clueless I was when I had my <laughs> first baby and it was actually from a um a plunket nurse mm. of all gosh people and so like a midwife she, I had, nurse type thing yeah sort of and you know Michaela was maybe oh young like I want to say like three four months old and I was saying it sort of a I don't know must have been a regular appointment that she was waking up all through the night da 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 and what could I do about it and not once did she ask me what naps is she having or how is she going to sleep or anything like that. Nothing. Her only advice was to do um, a verbal reassurance method from outside the room from day one. So as in put her in her room. If she starts screaming, wait for 15 minutes, I'm pretty sure she said. Mm. Then from outside the room say, it's okay, darling. And then wait for another 15 minutes oh my god that then, wouldn't even work and for like I gen- a three-year-old <laughs> I know I genuinely tried this because it was a you know a healthcare professional had recommended me this method and I remember I did it for one night and I was like this can't be right mm. like I just it felt wrong she was really upset um and obviously in hindsight I look back at that now and it fully disgusts me yeah. <laughs> that I was told to do that and just so many other things this could have been done first. Yeah. And then that I know, may have and, worked. And, but. Oh, and, and I know now I can think about the situation. And I didn't actually really even feed her to sleep or anything back then. It, in hindsight, it was genuinely just to do with her nap structure yeah. during the day. And if someone had said to me, just tweak that. Yeah. You know, she, I, we could have avoided that. And I'm so grateful. I'm so glad that I used my intuition and didn't continue with that method because it wouldn't have worked yeah, it was pretty stressful <laughs> no no it wouldn't well have it would have worked, worked maybe been... after about a week or so of of her realizing that no one was coming to help her and that she was just that's so boring and you know you're just gonna have to yeah. sleep eventually and then once yeah so you definitely <laughs> need to get all this stuff right first and we would never ever ever recommend to anybody to embark on any kind of sleep training or teaching self-settling until they had all this other stuff lined up first. So then if we are, we're ready, Amanda, we're in the hot seat, how are we actually yeah. yep. approaching this self-settling beast? 
Okay, so if we're looking at how to approach self-settling, we're going to look at our baby's current um, sleep association and the goal is to eventually just do less and less of it and wean back and look at this... Um, so you, you would do the, the sleep association, whether it's feeding them or um, uh, rocking them or whatever, you would do that first to help soothe them, but not so that they're falling asleep. And then mm-hmm. you give them the chance to try and go to sleep by themselves. You have to give them the chance, otherwise they're never going yeah. to learn the skill. Then... So let, let's let's use it as, let's do a specific example, yeah. um, like a, a, a use case. So say your baby is used to being rocked in your arms. Yeah. Um, you know, the, you get everything right during the day, the sleep environment's right, you've got the positive sleep associations in place. It comes to bedtime, you give them a, a rock because that's what they're used to. Well, first of all, and, actually I mean, what we would times, say to do is actually we would always start with doing if you're teaching self-settling to start with the naps during the day rather than at nighttime because oh yeah then at night because the naps during the day it's easier for everybody especially you it's less confronting during the day if um you are helping them teach uh, helping them learn the skill during the day rather than at three o'clock in the morning (laughs) especially that first morning nap is always the easiest one yeah the first morning nap Um, don't start it with the late afternoon nap oh yeah (laughs) like four o'clock in the afternoon the worst one it's never gonna work no the first nap of the day is always the easiest to get them to sleep they're super sleepy they've got some nighttime melatonin still running through um and they're they're super tired so they're that's the easiest one to start with so as we were saying so you're gonna rock them yes you're gonna rock them a little bit to get them in the zone then you're gonna put them in their bed and give them and and see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> You're gonna put them in their bed and pray, and then <laughs> they um they'll probably protest that first time. But you know we've yeah, got to be give like, them what the, the hell chance. Is happening? We've got to give them the chance. We do, and we've got to make sure that we're hitting so then, the awake window too, because if that window mm-hmm. is shut, it's shut. So yeah. So then, if the idea is then if your little one is getting very upset and you're uncomfortable by how upset they're getting. Then you can do the thing that you do. So in this example, you can rock them to soothe them because that's what they're, they're used to. But just don't let them fall asleep. Yeah. Pop them back in their bed. Um, and then the goal is to do this ultimately until they eventually fall asleep. And you know what? Sometimes it, it's, it messes itself up. Sometimes one of those times you'll pick them up and rock them and they'll just fall asleep on you. And you know what? You just try again next time. If they are and sometimes a really young you'll, baby, you'll put, like if they're a baby under six months and you've been trying for the full nap time, what, <laughs> then what you would do towards the end of the sort of 45 minutes at that first nap, um, at the 45-minute mark of trying, you would just eventually rock them to sleep or put them put, to sleep yeah put them to they sleep. just need to sleep at that point they need to just go to sleep <laughs> yeah and then you just try again next time yeah. um but you you do need to give them that chance and then over over the course of a week a few days to a week especially if you've got a younger baby every time you just soothe them with your sleep with their sleep association less and less until eventually you probably just give them a quick little cuddle pop them in 
and they're able to go off to sleep. And the younger they are, the easier. the easier this is going to be. Because when it's an older baby, they've got a very ingrained sleep habit and they're going to very loudly proce- protest this change. Yeah, there's, there's so, definitely um, going to be some resistance, um, especially yeah. in babies over six months. You've got to think, they've had mm-hmm. six months of going to sleep a certain way, and now all of a sudden you're asking them to learn a completely new way of going to sleep. And toddlers even more so. And they are well aware that they can protest. So you are mm-hmm. going to have to, um, like, you are going to have to be aware that there will be some fighting of the protesting, change. And prote- yeah. Protesting. But you have to give them the chance that so they are learning a new skill. Um, mm-hmm. Just like teaching them how to walk you've got to give them the chance to actually walk you can't just jump in there and hold their hand you carry carry them them. yeah um but there's nothing wrong with them they are learning and and crying is the only way that they can communicate so they are just learning so let's talk a little bit then about crying because this is a little bit taboo when we're talking about sleep training nobody wants to think about their child crying but let's be honest your baby cries multiple times a day for many reasons and um, they're just getting all the bad cry more because and more and more as they get older because yeah some some ba- you know babies cry cuz they're having their um diaper changed or because they've gone in the bath and it was colder than they expected or you know or you've like given it your kid mean the that wrong color to change them yeah or you've given the child yeah, the plate. wrong color plate or the different wrong at the yeah. wrong spoon um you know so that's exactly right it's it but we i mean we would never say you definitely have to do x amount of time of your child crying you really just can work to your comfort level in regards to that it will take longer a bit longer if you are adverse to your child crying at all. Um, but it's important also to understand the different types of crying because not all crying is there's something wrong with me no. crying. Remember, this is the only way they can communicate. Often it's protest, which you will identify because the protest crying is this insistent, loud, it's like wah, wah, wah. It's like they're sh- like literally you can hear the shout in the crying. And they're basically saying, come back here and rock me to sleep you stupid woman and you know like do what I'm used to like you can tell yeah. that that's I'm what tired I want to and go if, to sleep yeah come and help me and if my children my when my kids were little if they were doing something like that I'm kind of like you're actually okay you're protesting a change like you know you're there for them if they're genuinely upset yeah. or you know the crying is winding up um so I was always quite comfortable to leave my babies, if, if they were in that situation, because you just listen. And also, you know, if it does start to wind up, you, you step in. And I think also, in the grand scheme of things, if you actually timed it of how long they are crying or, or protest crying, if you like, if you jump in there straight away, it's been like one or two seconds, you know, like it's not actually that long to give them the chance. Whereas, if you are giving them the chance, it might only be a one-minute cry, which in the grand scheme yeah. of things isn't actually that long. It feels like a lifetime to you because your baby's crying and, mm. of course, like it pulls on all the heartstrings. Mm. But I, I was the same as Nikki. I would I would turn the, um, the shush track up that we would have playing because I know that that soothes them as well and I would turn that up and I would my personally I would set a six minute timer and 
nine times out of ten, they would be asleep by minute two. You know, like yeah. not long at all in the grand scheme of but the, things. The other thing we, we have to think about if we're talking about crying, while we're talking about crying, is that if your baby does, does not learn to self-settle, they are going to be a very overtired baby all of the time because they're only having fractured naps and they're waking up multiple times, um, potentially every two hours overnight. So they're going to be a very tired baby. So they're going to cry more. a lot more during the day, a lot more, in fact, than they ever would during any kind of self-settling that you're that you're working through with them actually yeah like they're going to be crying far more and probably you as well because you're tired and you yeah, you're gonna be crying you're gonna be crying and <laughs> or just losing it like you i know when i'm tired my my um my rope is very short so you know like yes i lose yeah. things very quickly if i'm tired you'll be doing the same and sometimes it's just it just you just have to push through and and teach them yeah. the skill. And so, I mean, let's look then at there's the other type of crying that we should mention. There's winding down yep. crying, which you will notice because these cries are more like grizzly. They end up grizzly cries. They get further and further apart. Um, you can tell it's, it's literally winding down. And they're getting quieter. And these are the ones where your little one is, <laughs> yeah, just it's like they just need to do it before they go to sleep. They just need to go, oh, I'm over it, I'm tired, I want to go to sleep, I'm going to sleep. It's like they just – these kids probably grow up to be chatterboxes, I guarantee <laughs> It's like they just have to let it out before they go to sleep. And, I mean, I would always leave a child in this situation because this is actually a positive sign. They're winding themselves down. Yeah. It's not – it's not because they've given up and they know no one's coming. It's because they're just having a little grizzle. They're winding down before they go to sleep. Then there's the, the opposite, opposite of that yeah. is winding up, yeah. Which is where you would always pretty much intervene. This is when something is wrong with your child. These are loud cries. They're not shouts. They're heartfelt cries. And they get louder and they get closer together. The sobs get closer together. And, I mean, you hear these ones. Like, you feel these cries. But there's, and that's where there is, you know, your baby is upset. But I think we do have to differentiate between that loud shouting protest cry versus the yes. winding up cry. And I know that yeah. first time parents think all cries are the winding up and mm. they're not. You, you just, if you are teaching the skill of self-settling and every, every baby, every human has to eventually learn the skill of self-settling. Um, that we have to give them the chance and there will be some protesting. Mm. Unless you are literally putting something in their mouth like a dummy or a pacifier, they have their mouth will be open and be able to cry. <laughs> <laughs> their mouth will be open. So, I mean, in a nutshell, what we're really looking at in terms of self-settling is... Like we said, when your baby reaches around that four-month regression age, but to be honest, there's no reason you can't start it sooner. No. And like we said, the younger the baby, the easier it is. You don't have to do it as sleep training. If you have a two-month-old baby, there's no reason you can't just start popping them in their bed and letting, seeing if they'll fall asleep on their own. Just try it. They might surprise you. Yeah. In fact, they probably will fall asleep on their own if they're daytime 
naps are right and their sleep environment is yep. right and they've got a full tummy in there. I started with well my winded. second baby around eight weeks, my first baby mm-hmm. around um, 11 weeks. I started teaching them, both of them, just giving them the chance because I knew what was coming. Yep. Um, I gave them both the chance first to go to sleep in their bed. Um, so starting earlier, you will still have, they will still take a while to learn the skill, even at two, three months. But yeah, it's so worth it in the end to get those good naps, those good nighttime sleep. Um, so in any situation, make sure you're always setting up for success. Yeah. So get that daytime perfect for their age. Get the sleep environment spot on. Introduce the positive sleep associations, cuddly, sleeping bag, etc. And get a good nap time and bedtime routine happening then of course when you're looking at your actual method work with your baby's current sleep association that they have with you don't try and do something different just do whatever you're doing but do it less and less each time it's I mean you're, you're weaning your baby off that association is the gist of it yeah so um like like we've said this is a really crucial skill it's a big big topic um but it is one that once your baby has this they don't unlearn it's it it's gold <laughs> either yeah it is absolute gold yeah okay well thanks for listening to this entire podcast and thanks for joining us today hopefully you've (laughs) found some useful information and have taken away some uh, methods that you might be able to teach your own baby how to self-settle and don't forget to follow us on our social media channels and visit our website if you need any further help with your little one's sleep at www.littleones.co and if you need that um, sleep sound like we were mentioning throughout the podcast it's on any of our streaming platforms the track title is our baby sleep thanks for chatting with us today we'll talk to you soon little ones the sleep manual podcast <laughs>